Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Charcoal Sports Report, a podcast intended on bringing you news from around sports that will hopefully strike a perfect balance between opinion, humor, and insight. But we'll see how that goes. You can interact with me on Twitter at, at Charcoal Sports, where I'd love to hear your opinions on the topics discussed as well as to suggest new topics for upcoming shows. On today's show, we'll be talking about signing season, both in the NBA and NHL, and really outside of the money that was dropped, there weren't really many surprises. We'll also talk about the Blue Jays and what the heck is going on there, as well as celebrating Marcus Stroman being named to the MLB All-Star Game. Finally, we'll discuss what the championship win by the Raptors meant not only for basketball in this country, but what it meant for the WNBA coming to Canada. And without further ado, let's get started. And welcome back, everyone. And we're going to start today's episode with the NBA. Yesterday, uh, being June the 30th, was the first day of the NBA free agent signing season. This is a a big day for fans. You know, you wanna know if your team's gonna sign a really awesome player, um, what kind of contracts are gonna be signed. And then you also, if you're an executive of those teams, how are you budgeting your, uh, your, your money in order to make the most well-rounded championship team. Yesterday alone, the NBA dished out three over $3 billion. Yes, that's billions with a B. Now you might be asking yourself as I did, what could you actually buy with $3 billion? That's a, that's a concept I, I don't, I hope one day I'll be able to relate to, but at this point, absolutely not. Well, you could buy both the Miami Marlins and the Tampa Bay Rays. Not that you'd probably want to because they're both terrible, but you could. You could also buy approximately eight White Houses, and that's the political home of the President of the United States. You could also buy a diamond-encrusted Mercedes-Benz, because uh, why not? You could also buy multiple islands, such as a private island uh, located off the coast of Greece, and that one island is currently valued at $44 million. So you could imagine how many of these private islands you could actually buy for $3 billion. And well, you're going to need some way to get to that island and to bring everyone you could have possibly met in your entire life and all of their friends, which is great because you can actually afford about 16 yachts. And these are pretty big, pretty lavish yachts. You can buy 16 of those. It's incredible. Shifting gears a little bit here, you know, when you look at the money that was spent, a lot of that was actually spent by the Brooklyn Nets who just signed Kevin Durant, 
Kyrie Irving, and DeAndre Jordan. These are three pretty premier players in the, in the NBA. And it's incredible now that they've lined themselves up now to have, to be a new, you know, super team in the NBA. We've had, you know, what LeBron did with, uh, with the Miami Heat a few years ago with LeBron, uh, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. You had what was going on in the, uh, with the Golden State Warriors, um, with Durant, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson. Um, despite this, the belief is still that the Toronto Raptors are going to, are the favorites to repeat in the East. I'm not a big fan of these big team ups, these super teams. Uh, I really enjoy it when you have premier players playing for multiple different teams. I think league parity is, is one of the reasons why a lot of people kind of gravitate towards a league like the NHL, where because of the hard salary cap, it forces you to only be able to sign maybe, you know, one, maybe two premier players because you have to balance out the rest of the, the rest of the team, the rest of the team, you got to fill, you know, 20 plus spots. You can't really spend a ton of that on, you know, one or two players. You really got to divide that up. I guess on the flip side, it's kind of awesome to know that you could spend, you know, 30, 40 million dollars of, of your of your budget just on one player. So I guess that's that's kind of the trade-off there. And it's exciting to know that despite this big uh, this new big three uh, in Brooklyn, that Toronto is still the favorite to repeat in the East. Um, whether they're going to repeat as NBA champions, which doesn't happen very often. Uh, remains to be seen. But again, it's incredible to know that the Raptors are still in that conversation. And I, I think, you know, at, the, at least at the timing of the filming of this episode, Kawhi Leonard hasn't re-signed yet, um, hasn't given his decision as to where he's going to play, whether it's going to be for the Raptors or it's going to be for uh, the Clippers or the Lakers, although I'm, I'm really not sure how he would end up signing with the Lakers considering how much of the salary cap hit you know they have with um, both LeBron and with Antonio Davis playing there as well or recently being traded there and will suit up next season Um, but it's still incredible like I've said it's still incredible that the Raptors are still there and they will certainly be there if Kawhi Leonard resigns so we're gonna wait to see if or when that happens, people are predicting that it'll probably be in the next couple of days, you know, let the dust settle on all the other players, and then we'll hear from Kawhi Leonard, and then that will be the domino for the rest of the free agents who are looking to sign as well. Uh, Players like Danny Green, who played last year with the Raptors and was part of the Kawhi Leonard trade, um, he's made it known that he'll wait for that decision to be made before he makes his decision as well. And lastly, to wrap up the NBA, um, kind of a, a personal note when it comes to um, the Raptors win, uh, the championship win. I know this is obviously a little outdated because we've already seen the championship parade and all of that, but I, I thought that it was only fitting that 
the first episode of this podcast that I get a chance to talk about that. Um, as a fan who's been around, you know, not quite from the beginning, um, but very early on, I've seen the ups, I've seen the downs, I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, and there was a lot of ugly. Uh, it was really incredible to watch that series, the whole series, uh, or the whole playoffs, and then obviously the, the championship series, to see how they came together as a team, to see how it really united the, the entire country is incredible. Uh, to see, uh, there are estimates that are around half of all of Canada watched the NBA Finals at some point which is something that if there was any ever any doubt as to whether or not the Raptors could be um, maybe displace the, uh, the Leafs or hockey, I think that was that definitive moment where you could finally say with confidence that, that not only is Toronto or the GTA or, you know, parts of Canada immersed in a sport besides or beyond hockey this actually was bigger than that it actually united an entire country and it united even parts of the states there were maps that were generated um, by from from the use of polls and these polls actually showed that the majority of the states were actually rooting for the raptors and then you hear stories of um, teams or um, countries from around the world backing the Raptors. And part of that was obvious being that the Raptors were playing incredible basketball. They were really, really amazing. But also because it was more than just a team made up of Americans and with zero disrespect to uh, the incredible uh, Americans that are playing in the NBA. This was a team made up of Americans, Canadian, well, a Canadian. Uh, it was, you know, we had players from Africa. We had players from Europe, players that were undrafted, such as Fred Van Fleet, um, which is just something that you don't see very often. And I think it was, it made it difficult not to fall in love with this team. The way that they united uh, behind their rookie coach, the way that Nick Nurse was able to adapt and put combinations on the floor that you wouldn't have necessarily thought of, draw plays that you wouldn't have necessarily thought of or have seen before. It was just something it was something that was really, truly amazing to watch. And I, and I still remember the moment as the game was, the clock was winding down. I, I remember saying, this is actually gonna happen. And the whole time I thought to myself, you know, as the Raptors made it to the next round and to the next round and to the next round, I remember thinking to myself or asking myself, what would it feel like or how emotional would I get at the very end? If they won, knock on wood, if they won, would I just burst out in tears? Would I 
jump for joy. What, and what did what ended up happening was I was so overwhelmed by the feat that had just been accomplished. The fact that for the first time ever, the NBA championship, the Larry OB, as Kawhi so famously quoted, was actually going to be awarded to a team outside of the US. And I actually had almost zero emotion at the time it happened because I was so shocked. And then as they, you know, they went through the process of celebrating on the court, then they brought out the the trophy, there were interviews and stuff. At that point, it's when it the shock finally wore off and I started really uh, feeling that emotion of, you know, 10, 15 years for myself of watching this team and knowing or seeing them come so close over the past few years. And then contrasting that to how terrible they were years ago, it finally hit me. And I was so incredibly overwhelmed by the excitement, by the the fact that they won, that I, it, the more I thought about the fact that they won, the more tears rolled down my face. And it was so amazing to be a part of that, to watch the series, to see everyone, people who were never NBA fans, let alone Raptors fans, jumping on the bandwagon and, and celebrating with me. It was just something that I'll, I don't think I'll ever forget. And, you know, I think about this and how I contrast it to when the Senators made it to the uh, NHL Finals, uh, the Stanley Cup Finals. I, I remember being very happy that they got there. And as also as a lifelong Senators fan, for better or for worse, it still didn't hit me as much as it did when the Raptors won, which then kind of tells me how, I think in this case, how much bigger than sports this really was. And again, just how it united an entire country, I think was difficult for someone to ignore. So to the Raptors, to the Raptors fans out there, congratulations on an incredible moment in our history. Congratulations on winning that trophy. We're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna be back with some NHL news. And welcome back everyone. Now we're gonna talk about the NHL. Today marked the NHL free agent signing season. And at the time of this recording, over half a billion dollars had been dished out. And it was interesting because as the clock struck noon, which is when the signing season officially started, there weren't a lot of surprises as news started trickling in about you know which player signed with which team for how much and i guess it wasn't much of a surprise for me because 
I leverage Twitter, for example, for a lot of my sports news. And I follow a lot of the NHL insiders, you know, the, the typical like Darren Dreggers, the Bob McKenzie's of the world. And a lot of these insiders were able, this is at least the first time I can remember, were able to almost accurately predict which uh, which team would sign which player and even the amount that they were going to be signing for, so their actual contracts were predicted fairly accurately. There weren't a ton of surprises. I think Sergei Bobrovsky's seven-year, $70 million contract was a little bit of a surprise because the thought of giving a goaltender $10 million a year, uh, it's kind of unheard of. Um, But outside of that, really, there weren't any surprises or many surprises, I guess, is probably more accurate. I think when it comes to today, one of the biggest, there were really two big uh, surprises. Um, The first one being that there was actually an offer sheet that was given out um, or offered to a, a team, I guess. To be more accurate, the fact that there was an offer sheet wasn't the surprise because everyone was saying that this is probably going to be the year of the offer sheet uh, just based off of who the restricted free agents were in the league um, and the impact that those players could have on uh, on a new team. So I think for, for that, maybe I'll correct myself and say that wasn't the surprise, but the surprise was the team in which signed the offer sheet, which was the Montreal Canadiens. And they they offered Sebastian Ajo of the Carolina Hurricanes an offer sheet of uh, five years, and it's uh, $8.454 million a year. Now, that was one big surprise, at least for me, The other big surprise wasn't an offer sheet, wasn't a free agent signing. It was actually a trade. And that trade was between the Ottawa Senators and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now this has happened before um, where we traded, we being, because I'm an Ottawa fan, I often say we, but it was the Ottawa Senators trading a number of players, including Colin Greening, to Toronto for a number of players, including Dion Phaneuf. That was, that caught me off guard for sure, that trade. This one kind of came out of nowhere and I remember reading that it was something that was gonna be made official today. And I, I, I couldn't believe what I was reading. Um, not necessarily because of uh, the fact that it was the Ottawa Senators and Toronto Maple Leafs. I think it's great that we're moving past or beyond the, um, you know, the, this, the phase of, well, we can't deal within our division. We don't want to make other teams better. It's now just really become a focus of these, um, these players will make my team better. And those are the players that I need to, to trade for regardless of where, what division they're in, whether they're rivals or whatever. I'm actually really appreciative of the fact that that's something that's changing. I think, the, the surprise is probably the fact that last season Melnick came out and made a comment 
about the poor defense from the Leafs, that they weren't able to keep the, the goals from going in the net. And then Ottawa turns around and hires the Leafs, the, the coach, the assistant coach in charge of the defense, and that was DJ Smith. Then they trade for some of their defense, including uh, Nikita Zaitsev. And then they go out and sign another one of Toronto's free agents being Ron Hainsey. There are aspects of these moves that I actually really like. I've been saying for a while now that, you know, Ottawa, while I'm excited about their, their future, their present isn't going to be great because they have so many young players that they actually need to bring in some, some good veterans to help support or insulate some of those mistakes that are going to be made by the, uh, by the, the, the young players, especially when you look at our defense. And so bringing in a player like, um, like Ron Hainsey, that was exactly the kind of move that I was hoping that they would actually make. It's just the fact that they've made so many deals and I'm just going to group all of that into one, even though they're signings and trades and all this kind of stuff. They've made so many of those from the, the Maple Leafs. Now people are actually starting to refer to the Ottawa Senators as the Ottawa Maple Leafs, which kind of makes me cringe. Um, but at the same time, I'm excited to see what these players, sometimes all it takes is a, a, a change of scenery. So that's why I'm excited to see, you know, for Cody Cece, who's going from Ottawa to Toronto, I'm excited to see what he can do or how he can turn his career around in Toronto. It looks like he's also signed a one-year deal there. He was up for arbitration. So it looks like he signed a one-year deal. There was also talk of it maybe being a little bit of a longer deal that will be announced later. But sometimes all it takes is a a change of scenery and that player becomes everything that you were hoping that player would be. And that's what I'm hoping will happen with a player like Zaitsev, who is coming from the, the Leafs off of a pretty bad season for him. I'm hoping that he can come here and be exactly the kind of um, defenseman that we needed. And that's something that is really exciting for me. Um, so I'm hoping that um, we continue to have uh, an incredible uh, offseason full of really good moves, um, probably continue to tink- tinkering around with some minor um, minor adjustments or minor signings. Um, but overall, when it comes to free agent signing season, you know, there are a lot of people out there that will say this is where... GMs make the biggest mistakes that they will ever make. Um, and it's it kind of makes sense. You're, you're kind of rushing to beat the other teams in getting these players signed. Um, so far, none of these signings have been super um, unexpected or super terrible. I think the years, the money, I think it's all looking like it's pretty good this year. Um, which is nice because that's not always the case. Um, yeah, so just really excited to see what happens with the Ottawa Senators, with the other teams. Want to see how uh, Toronto navigates 
Um, with Mitch Marner being a restricted free agent, will he be signed to an offer sheet like Sebastian Ajo was? Uh, will then Toronto match it? Um, will they be able to afford to match it, depending on what it sits at with all of their cap issues that they have? Um, and then, you know, another team, you know, like the, the New York Rangers, how will they, how well will they play this year? You know, they're in a bit of a rebuild, but they, they managed to, to nab a couple of really good free agents. Uh, Panarin being the, the biggest, uh, biggest player uh, that they signed today. Uh, how will they, um, how will they do in the season when the season arrives in October? Um, you know, what other signings will other teams make this year to make them their teams better? It's a, it's it's an exciting time, and so we'll see how things unfold. And if there are any other big signings, uh, that'll be part of probably part of next discussion that we have on this podcast. And we're going to take another break, and then we'll be back to talk about a little bit about the MLB. Welcome back, everyone. Now we're going to talk about the MLB. So I guess we're going to start off with, I'm sure, a burning question in all of your minds. What the heck is going on with the Blue Jays? I mean, they did just come off of an 11-4 win over the Kansas City Royals today, which was great. First uh, Canada Day win in a while. They're not really typically all that great on this day. They were dropping bombs early on, which was great. It was an incredible game to watch. Uh, overall, though, not really sure I understand the direction that they're going in. Uh, they have a number of incredible young players. You know, I think about Guerrero Jr., uh, Biggio, uh, Rowdy Telez. I think about, um, you know, uh, even Goriel in the outfield. I, I He made almost made an incredible catch, missed it by that much uh there are a lot of really exciting parts of this team and what scares me is you know when we talk about the incredible potential not this year not at all this year but the incredible short-term and then long-term uh potential for this team i think of that team needing to include players like Marcus Stroman. Now, Marcus Stroman, a bit of a polarizing player. He, I don't know that I've ever seen a player in, well, I was going to say in any league, but the NBA is full of big, bigger, larger than life characters. But outside of the NBA, I don't really know of a player with more swagger, with more confidence than Marcus Stroman and I think that's part of the reason why you either love the guy or you hate him because you either love how confident he is you know when you see him after a strikeout and he kind of does that little shimmy he has you either love that or you say what the heck is he doing up there Uh, that's not what the MLB is about and for me players like that that's what makes a league 
uh, or a sport entertaining is that it's more than just a win and a loss. Obviously, you want to see, especially if you care or love love a team, you want to see that team do very well. So you want to see them putting up Ws. But sometimes, especially when the team isn't great, sometimes you get a chance to see a player who deeply cares about the team, the city, the country, and carries himself with such confidence that he actually, that's how he endears himself to you. And that's something I think that the MLB, the NHL also needs to get to that point because it would be amazing to have, a, you know, there are talk of a lot of these leagues being no fun leagues. And that's, that's the reality is that we've taken that professionalism, which is super important and you got to be professional, but you can have fun. That's what this is all about. It's about fun. You know, and the more fun you're having, the more that the fans gravitate towards you. I think that's part of the reason why, you know, going back a few minutes to the the talk of Kawhi Leonard and the, the Raptors, I think that was one of the reasons that the team endeared itself to fans is not only were they winning, but they were, ha- it was incredible to watch that, those games. They were having so much fun. They were playing uh, with confidence. They were shooting really well. But most of all, again, they were just having fun. They were going out there, they were leaving everything out on the floor. And that was, like I said, part of the reason that they endeared themselves to the fans. So the thought of trading, you know, a Marcus Stroman or to a lesser degree, uh, you know, um, Justin Smoke or Aaron Sanchez, I think that once you start taking those pieces away, long term, it may not have a huge problem. Um, because I'm sure that the the picks, I don't know that you'd be able to get many prospects for those players, uh, maybe Stroman, um, but you're going to get a, a number of picks. So those picks, especially based on uh, Toronto's um, history, they, they're good at making draft picks. As much as that's going to pay off in the long run, the short term, we've seen how much this city can get behind the, the, the Blue Jays. You know, when they were going through in 2016, 2017, and they were going through uh, and finally made the playoffs, watching the uh, the Rogers Center, almost said Skydome, uh, watching the Rogers Center full of fans, that was the first time I had ever seen that. Uh, and I've been following the Blue Jays uh, probably for, for 20 years. And that's the first time I've seen those stands full uh, standing room only and it was it was a real sight to see uh, so the thought of trading these pieces instead of signing them long term and then hearing players like Stroman come out and say hey like it's 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 looking like I'm not going to be able to resign an extension here that's that's really upsetting to me and I and I understand that a lot of it comes down to business it's a business decision and you know, yeah, yeah, I have to end up weighing the, the, the pros and cons to trading as opposed to signing, you know, what kind of players could you get? You know, it's always going to be about making your team better, but I don't think that trading Stroman, certainly, um, 
but Sanchez, when Sanchez is good, when he's on, he's he's really good out there. That fastball is good. Uh, and and Justin Smoke losing that uh, first base presence, uh, losing those those home runs, uh, that veteran leadership for a lot of these young guys. I think that's what we need to make sure we're not we're not pushing the veterans out in order to make room for all of these young great players because just like I said for the Senators the Blue Jays need to have that uh, that veteran leadership to guide them through the ups and downs to reel them back in when they get a little too high after a win or after a string of wins and to pull them up when they're feeling down on themselves whether it was just a single at bat or a few at bats or a losing streak or a losing season having that veteran presence there really helps you navigate through that period. Uh, and without it, you're relying on on a number of younger players figuring it out. And while they may be able to figure it out and then ultimately navigate it, there's that good chance that they won't be able to. And you don't want to ruin their confidence and ultimately potentially deter them from re-signing because you didn't have that the veterans there to help insulate. So I think that's something that should be considered, although I'm, I, I'm sure it has been considered, it would still be really good to know that it is being considered. And we're gonna be back in just a moment. We're gonna talk about a couple of other little pieces and some feel good stories from around the world of sports. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to wrap things up today on the very first episode of this podcast by talking about the WNBA and what it would look like for Toronto, possibly, to get a team. And then I want to share a really interesting story from the world of tennis. So with the explosion of support for the Raptors, The WNBA coming to Toronto is actually a possibility in the future. Right now, there's 12 WNBA teams and they're based exclusively out of the States. Cities such as Toronto have shown that there's an incredible passion for the game. It isn't just about hockey anymore. It's about rallying behind a really great team. It's about what that team stands for. It's about the, the passion that the, the players have, the unique personalities of those players. And I think of, you know, the fact that players such as Kia Nurse, she's a Canadian, she's playing in the WNBA and she's had such an incredible impact on the game and its growth. And I think about when you look at those those players or players of those caliber or of that caliber, the impact that that can have on the youth, especially females, especially women, girls, who maybe don't feel like they would be able to make it in any professional league 
um, having the exposure of a league such as the WNBA would have such an incredible impact on girls feeling like they can also be included in a sport that's broadcasted around the world or or as as widely as it could be. Just recently it was announced that the WNBA is actually going to start sharing um, some of its feeds with um, or in Canada, which is going to help hopefully grow this sport uh, or this league in Canada. And again, just just showcase it for all those girls out there who want to um, want to be role models for uh, for future generations and want to showcase their skills and want to be a part of a big team or a, a, a league that has such great representation. We're also seeing more and more women being hired on as NBA assistants, such as Becky Hammond in San Antonio. And forgive me, I'm probably going to butcher this name, but it's Kelly Crosscop as an assistant GM. And seeing not only that the that there's the potential for the growth of players or female players. But to start seeing that females, women are getting into a sport that's been dominated by the by men, um, being able to provide that unique perspective, um, looking at the sport differently, I think, you know, just like, you know, not to get too political or anything, but, you know, when you look at politics, you look at a number of white men in power or in positions of power, and it's always amazing when you have a different perspective, when you have a different individual with a different thought process, it's, and someone and and more people that represent the community or the country in which they play. Um, Getting that uh, is something that I think we need more of. And to know that from the fact that the Raptors were able to bring together and unite a country has really provided further emphasis on the importance of growing the game beyond just the NBA and including the WNBA and including more women's leagues and that these other players or these other people can really contribute something incredible to the game is something that we that I don't think can be ignored anymore, and I hope it won't be ignored anymore. And to to wrap things up just quickly, uh, it was just today, uh, the first round of the uh, Wimbledon was uh, was played, and it was Venus Williams against, and again, you'll learn as this podcast continues, I'm terrible with names. So I'm hoping I'm going to get this one. Uh, um, so it was Venus Williams was playing the first round against 15-year-old prodigy Coco Goff. And Venus Williams lost. And what makes this an incredible story, and I'm actually just going to read this directly from the undefeated uh, Twitter feed. Uh, last week, 15-year-old tennis prodigy Coco Goff became the youngest player ever to qualify 
for the Wimbledon in the open era. And what makes this incredible is that Venus and Serena Williams were the exact reason why Goff picked up a tennis racket to start. And then Goff turns around and defeats Venus Williams in the first round. And it just, it's one of those things, that's end quote, sorry, I should have said that. But it's when you look at tennis and you look at the growth, again, the growth of the game, this is one of those great stories that really uh, makes it, it really makes it entertaining to watch because you have these incredible backstories. You have these stories of youth picking up a basketball, picking up a hockey stick, picking up a tennis racket, and believing in themselves and putting themselves in these positions, challenging themselves to be everything they can be, be the best athlete, try your hardest, and in this case, move on and defeat Venus Williams in Wimbledon. It's incredible. And I just want to say thank you for everyone who's listened to this first podcast, who's given me a follow on uh, Twitter. Please let me know what you thought. Let me know whether it's good, whether it's bad, what you'd like to hear, uh, anything at all. I'm really looking forward to interacting with everyone as this podcast develops into something bigger. Uh, This is the first podcast I've hosted by myself. Uh, This is also obviously the first episode. Um, And it's been exciting to put this together. It's been exciting to record it, find the stories I want to talk about, um, share my opinions with you. And again, it's really going to come down to the interactions that you and I have. You're really going to be a big help in me putting this show together and growing it to be everything that we both know it can be. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening. And until next time, take care of yourselves.